He's rooting for everybody black. Everybody black. black. More of Tavis Smiley coming your way right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Can a brilliant musical masterpiece born 100 years ago still speak to today's America? Laura Downs answers that question with a vibrant reinvention of Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue. She recolors it for a 21st century America, weaving a century of immigrant voices into its iconic notes. I am pleased to welcome Laura Downs to this program. Laura, how are you today? I'm very well. How are you? If I complained, I'd be an ingrate. I am doing remarkably well, and I'm delighted to be in dialogue with you for the rest of uh, this uh, half hour. Um, so first of all, congratulations on what you've reimagined here. Um, the, the first question is, why Rhapsody in Blue? Of all the things that you could have tackled to reinvent, mm-hmm. I'm glad you did, but why Rhapsody mm-hmm. in Blue? Well, two distinct reasons. As you mentioned, it turned, the piece turns 100 this year, mm-hmm. and I think anniversaries are kind of interesting opportunities to, you know, revisit and review things. And 100 years is, well, it's either a long time or a short time, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think at this point, I have some fairly unique insights into the piece, just because a lot of my work, I'm a classical pianist. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, you know, what I'm called. I'm classically sure. trained. And I've been for about 20 years now, really digging into the music of black classical composers from around mm-hmm. the same time, the nineteenth, early early 20th century. So I think I, I just have a feeling that I understand more than I used to about Gershwin's world, certainly broadly speaking, you know, all the music that was happening in America at the time. And then also what's happened in 100 years since. Um, Gershwin's, Gershwin called this piece his vision of the musical kaleidoscope of America. And that's just always meant a lot to me in terms of, embracing diversity and, you know, all the things that make us who we are. Yeah. Um, Gershwin is high cotton, if I can put it that way. He's high cotton. Uh, and, and I'm wondering whether or not um, there is something that's a little scary about uh, mm-hmm. trying to reimagine something so sacred, if I can put it that way. You know, my job is involved with music that's really old, right? Mm-hmm. I'm always playing music that's 100, 200, 300 years old. So I guess this sacred thing, I've kind of moved away from it. I feel like in order to preserve things, we also have to keep them fresh and relevant Mm. and the world changes fast. So I have the same, I mean, I've done projects that have reimagined Bach too. I don't think anything should be set in stone. I think that's the danger is that we start mummifying things. We start putting things in museums and then, you know, they don't, they don't mean much anymore. Um, you mentioned earlier, um, You've been uh, fascinated for years now, uh, for a couple of decades. You've been digging more into uh, black classical uh, composers and their compositions. Um, what what do you see there? What 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 is America missing by not delving more deeply into that treasure trove, if you will? Now that's such a good question. I mean, I think this was a really critical crossroads. So, so many things changed at the beginning of the 20th century. I mean, kind of everything changed. I think it was the beginning of modern America. And it was a time of so much movement, right? You had the Great Migration. You had all these people moving into cities and changing those cities and encountering different cultures and different sounds. And I think that what we find in the Black music from that time is just absolutely the 
the epitome of all that. Um, for one thing, it teaches us the stories that we don't often hear about Black life in America, you know, about um, the education and the the culture that was circulating, the, the networks that existed, the um, cultural exchange between Black and white communities, Black mm-hmm. and white artists. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, it's just, you know, I remember so well the first time that I encountered this music, and there's a composer named Florence Price, whose name is starting to be known until, you know, five minutes ago, not many people in the world of music were aware of her work. Mm -hmm. But she was a really, really important composer writing in the 1930s. I remember the first time I put my hands on the piano and tried her music. I'd found a piece of hers in in a book in a library. And it just, it it was like the shockwave for me of all these different sounds and the way they made sense together. You know, she's using African-American spirituals, but also the European tradition. And it's very distinct sound, and it's very, very, very American. Mm-hmm. I want to ask you and give you some space here um, to tell me what you did to uh, Rhapsody in Blue 100 years later. I, I refer to it as a vibrant reinvention. Um, uh, I suggested that you've recolored it for uh, uh, this America, uh, weaving a century of immigrant voices into its iconic notes. But as we listen to what you've done, just take a few minutes and tell me what you did to reimagine uh, Rhapsody in Blue 100 years later. Yeah, thank you. Well, the first thing that's important to know is that the, the Rhapsody in Blue that we're used to hearing with orchestras is not was not written by Gershwin. Mm-hmm. Gershwin wrote this piece for piano, and then he handed it over to this gentleman named Ferdy Grofay, who did the orchestration first for a jazz band, for Paul Whiteman's jazz band. And mind you, this was very, very fast. This, the composition of this piece happened within a matter of weeks. Mm-hmm. And then later on in the 1940s and so forth, uh, Grofay did additional orchestrations. The one that we're used to, the one that if you go to a Pops concert at the symphony and you hear the piece as mm-hmm. you're used to hearing it, that was done in 1942. So for me, it was really important to go back to the source material, to go really back to what Gershwin created in the first place. So we were working from the piano score. I think that when we talk about Rhapsody in Blue, you know, we're talking about an experiment. The, the the concert for which Gershwin wrote the piece was actually called an experiment in modern music. And he was trying to understand what was for him a new language, which was jazz, which was a new language period, you know, mm-hmm. in the early 1920s. So I think that there are, I hear that in the piece. He's trying to, um, it's almost like when you do learn a, a new language and you're trying to you're trying to express like idioms that are natural to you in your own native tongue and you don't quite get there. The rhythmic elements that he was trying to communicate aren't quite fleshed out, I think, in, in the old version. Um, so the idea was really to go to take the piece back to its roots, to try to understand what was he trying to say here? Mm. What are these rhythms that he's hearing, these African rhythms, these you know, these Afro-Caribbean rhythms, um, Latin rhythms? What is he trying to translate? Go back there and then also extend on the other side, and again, going back to this idea of the musical kaleidoscope of America, well, what was that in 1924 in New York? That was some European immigrants and some black folks up from the South, really. Mm -hmm. What is it now? We have people from all over the world in this country, and what would Gershwin be hearing now? So I think it's really, we're like stretching. We're stretching Mm. the piece in both directions. I like that word, stretching the piece uh, in both directions. Let me just let this ride for a little bit, and when we come forward, more of our conversation with Laura Downs. You're listening to her version of Rhapsody in Blue, A Hundred Years Later.
Savage Smiley continues when we come forward. More honesty than you can handle. More empowerment than you can imagine. You're tuned in to Tavis Smiley. It has been 100 years since uh, Rhapsody in Blue, uh, uh, Gershwin's piece, uh, first uh, premiered uh, Laura Downs, and I love your uh, reinvention of it. Uh, in, in prepping for our conversation, I was uh, just doing some research about all the ways in which this uh, this piece has been used and been advanced. And it's been used by, you know, in so many varied ways, including by United Airlines. I mean, everybody, <laughs> yeah. everybody's gotten a piece of this. What, what do you make of what has, uh, has, <laughs> has uh, been the journey of this composition over this last century? Yeah, you know, things last, and who knows why. I think that there is this energy to the piece. Every time I hear it, every time I play it, it, it feels new. I don't know why that is. I think we're just understanding, we're feeling something about Gershwin's energy and maybe also the energy of that time mm-hmm. when all these things were so new to each other, right? Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it's an, it's an interesting question. I mean, really good tunes. Yeah. Too. What what <laughs> what um you 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 referenced this earlier, and obviously when you're playing classical music, it is that this is true for anybody. But we're talking to you right now. So for you, what what is it like, uh, always playing such old music? Uh, to your point, uh, this this stuff you play is always a hundred, two hundred years old, and you process <laughs> and you process that how every day. You know, it comes down to just basic humanity, I think. Mm-hmm. It is a weird thing that we do. And I, I love collaborating with musicians who come from different traditions. And every time I do that, they're like, you, you do what? You play the same notes the same way over and over again? Why do you do it? Mm-hmm. But, but I think it also is tremendously um, comforting to me and inspiring to me that we do still care about these things. And what I, what I always try to focus on is that... Um, this is not about genius. You know, this is not about these people who surfaced through the, through the years and just had some special magical quality called genius. I think the, the reason that we listen to Beethoven, for example, is because Beethoven was a tortured person mm-hmm. who was struggling with losing his hearing as a musician who was living in times of war and revolution and chaos. And he is what we're, what we're feeling and what we're hearing is his humanity. Um, and I don't know, there's something about that. The, I, I love this ability to kind of communicate with with other humans across vast stretches of time. Mm. So, yeah, I just think you have to be connected to that core of things. Yeah. Every time, I'm glad you mentioned it, every time I think about Beethoven or hear him, listen to him, um, my mind goes to, this, to the same point you just made, that Certainly, near the end of his uh, his run, he is not just losing his hearing, but as you know, ends up finishing some stuff after he's lost his hearing, um, mm-hmm. and that reality blows me away every time I think about. It. He's the greatest composer of all time, and again, his last uh, his last works, um, he had no hearing at all, and that, I, I'm just mm-hmm. I, I don't know how you can be a composer and write stuff that you can't hear. Um, that story always blows me away. How, how do you, how do you process that when you, when you reflect upon it? About just about the deafness, you mean? Yeah, the deafness. Yes. And, and de- yeah. deaf, but still composing. Right. I mean, I think, you know, these things become 
interior. I, yeah. I have no idea what my musical world would be like if I lost my hearing, but yeah. I think there is so much music in my head mm-hmm. that it would still be there. I yeah, it this it, it's bone deep. Yeah. Um she's done a, a an amazing job uh on this uh Gershwin piece, Rhapsody in Blue a hundred years later. Her name is Laura Downs. Our remaining moments with her when we come forward. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward. Helping to make you the most knowledgeable person in your circle of friends. This is Tavis Smiley. Uh, some sad but breaking news here before I have, uh, before I give Laura Downs a, a final uh, opportunity to comment on her brilliant work regarding George Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue. A hundred years later, uh, we are told that Cheetah Rivera, uh, the electrifying star of Broadway uh, and beyond, is dead at the age of ninety-one. Uh, of course, uh, she appeared in uh, scores of stage productions and dazzled audiences for nearly six decades, most memorably as Anita in West Side Story and Velma Kelly in Chicago. Those are some big ones, West Side Story in Chicago. Those productions, as you well know, uh, still continue to this day. Uh, but Cheetah Rivera, uh, amazing, amazing uh, Broadway star, uh, dancer, singer, actress, uh, uh, Puerto Rican uh Descent uh, passed away, uh, we are told, uh, today at the age of 91. Since we're talking about the arts uh, in this hour, we're talking earlier uh, with Odie Henderson about film, talking now to Laura Derns about music, and uh, Cheetah Rivera has passed away at the age of 91 uh, and uh, wanted to share that news, that sad news with you. A life uh, well-lived, a long life, and some amazing work she accomplished during uh, her tenure. Not quite 100 years old like uh, Rhapsody in Blue is, but she made it to 91, and that is indeed a blessing. Let me close our conversation, Laura, Laura Downs, talking about your uh, reinvention, your reimagination of Rhapsody in Blue, Gershwin's piece, 100 years later, how you uh, intend to celebrate, now that you've uh, uh, done this uh, masterpiece in your own way, uh, how you uh, intend for this year uh, and into the next 12 months, I should say, celebrating the 100th birthday of Rhapsody in Blue. Well, let me just say first of that Cheetah Rivera, and that is so sad, and I was just thinking how amazing she was in the recent remake of West Side Story. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think she would love this project. I, I don't think I even mentioned earlier that my collaborator on this project is a composer named Edmar Colon, who's also Puerto Rican, mm-hmm. and who brought his sensibilities, you know, from that whole crossroads of the world and that place that just represents the African diaspora in so many ways. And that's, that's where this work really comes alive, I think, is with all of these rhythmic elements, these percussion instruments that came from Africa via, you know, well, all the different ways that they came to this country and all the stories that those represent. And I think it's the stories that I want to focus on this year and, and in the future. I, I can't tell you how emotionally profound it was to perform this piece for the first time. We performed it in October out in California and San Francisco um, with the with the orchestra from the San Francisco Conservatory of Music. So a young orchestra, young musicians. Mm-hmm. And there was something about the, the reach that this piece has, this ability to tell so many stories, to reflect so many different voices, not just the usual suspects. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just the European tradition. It's not one thing or another. We all came together on that stage and we all felt ourselves included and celebrated and reflected. And that's what I want to take this piece all over America and let audiences have that, that experience to feel part of the kaleidoscope. It is an amazing uh, piece of work. Um, uh, an amazing uh, job. Uh, Laura Downs did reimagining Gershwin's piece 
Rhapsody in Blue 100 years later, and she'll be performing it, I'm sure, for uh, not just uh, the next 12 months celebrating that 100th anniversary, but for years to come. It's a brilliant piece of, uh, of, of, of doing. Uh, Laura Downs, congratulations on it. Good to have you on this program. I wish you all the best. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much. It's lovely to talk with you. An honor to have you on this program. Just like that, three hours gone. Back here tomorrow, Lord willing to do it all over again. Uh, Until then, thanks for tuning in. And as always, keep the faith. Thank you.